This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Fighting critical race theory without stumbling into even greater errors. Critical race theory has been called an idea that is so absurd that only an intellectual could believe it. Indeed, many intellectuals and pseudo-intellectuals do believe it, and many of them are helping to inflict critical race theory on Americans' children. Critical race theory is part of the so-called woke movement. Wokeness, in turn, is a component of the so-called social justice narrative that afflicts modern America. Why do so many people listen to the siren song of social justice? Mr. Edwin Benson uses a recent incident to help answer that question in his essay, A Glimpse into the Minds of Social Justice Warriors at the University of Texas. On Halloween night, someone shot a man in the West Campus neighborhood near the University of Texas at Austin. According to KXAN News, the injuries were, quote, serious but not life-threatening, unquote. Austin's CBS television station told the story in matter-of-fact tones, quote, The Austin Police Department is investigating a shooting that left one person injured late Halloween night near the West Campus of the University of Texas in Austin. According to University of Texas PD, they became aware that Austin PD responded to a report of a person shot at West 22nd Street and Pearl Street around 11.45 p.m. on Sunday, October 31st. The shooting victim was transported to an area hospital where they received medical attention, unquote. The following day, the university president, Jay Hartzell, took action. Surprisingly, in light of the state of many university campuses today, his action made sense. The Austin Chronicle quoted him, The safety of our campus community remains a top priority for the university. In light of recent events, I am directing UTPD to increase its patrols in the West Campus area and to develop additional options to enhance safety for our students. Unquote. In a sane world, such a move would calm the fears of both students and parents. The minds of the quote-unquote social justice warriors that breed leftist opinions are not sane places. Three days after President Hartzell's announcement, the quote-unquote wokesters gathered to protest, forming a group called Cops Off Campus. According to campus reform, they demanded, quote, that all campus police be removed in order to increase class consciousness and achieve socialism, unquote. Like all good activists, they have a chant, quote, we don't want this fascist nation, we want total liberation, unquote. John, a spokesman for the group, added that having more police on campus, quote, would make shootings more common because there is less money going to mental health services, unquote. Along with a flyer stating, the police do not protect us, the activists included a QR code that takes interested people to a zine, short for e-magazine, titled Eyes Upon You, a zine about the troubled past and present at the University of Austin. Since the basis of the protest had to do with the police, this author decided to look at two articles on that topic. 
on Policing and Carcerality at UT Austin by Megan Wynn, and The Police Serve and Protect Us and Public Safety by the Liberation Coalition. The grammatical and usage errors are in the originals. Miss Wynn's article begins with a roll call of heroes and victims, according to the woke worldview. Quote, We challenge the UT Austin administration's commitment to and use of policing and punishment, which serves as a way to reproduce and rectify structural norms, which in part are white supremacist, heteronormative, cisgendered, and patriarchal. Policing punishment at the University of Texas at Austin disproportionately violates black, brown, indigenous, queer, trans, disabled, and poor people and ultimately renders all members of the educational campuses and their surrounding communities less safe. Unquote. Having made these blanket accusations, Miss Wynne does nothing to prove them. Her worldview holds that numerical quantification and objectivity are evidence of quote-unquote toxic whiteness, as defined by the Smithsonian Institution. She mentions protests in 1965, 1967, 1970, 1999, and 2019, in which she accuses the authorities of quote-unquote repression because they acted to restore order. At first blush, that list of dates looks somewhat impressive, a half-century of apparent tyranny. However, a little reflection causes one to realize that Miss Nguyen gives no context for these incidents, only the dates. The article written by the Liberation Coalition makes Miss Nguyen's analysis look exhaustive. They don't use the word Marxist within the article, but its Marxist roots are readily apparent in the first paragraph. Quote, It's impossible to understand U.S. policing without understanding the much bigger picture that is the worldwide capitalist system. As soon as we even phrase the police as providers of public safety, we have already gone wrong. In the first place, the public in a capitalist society is not homogenous, but generally divided into two classes, the working class and the capital-owning class, unquote. The so-called coalition then spews Marxist class struggle doctrine interspersed with more modern critical race theories. Then, readers are informed that the situation is hopeless, quote, the idea that any of these changes could be reforms within the system is absurd because the system itself relies upon the perpetuation of these problems. There is only one solution, socialist revolution, unquote. Indeed, the genuine socialists blaze trails of tyranny that make Miss Nguyen's list of travails at UT Austin look like a Sunday afternoon football game. An afternoon with the actual history of socialist disasters should convince them that their so-called solution is only an invitation to waves of repression beyond even their fevered nightmares. Of course, their ideology gives them the illusion of a way out. In their world, truth is relative. Facts count less than intentions. Objectivity becomes toxic. Religion is considered the opiate of the masses, 
and 2 plus 2 really can equal 5. How many missed wins are there who got propaganda when they paid for an education? What could the members of the Liberation Coalition have accomplished if their professors didn't fill their minds with such rubbish? The growth of critical race theory leaves traditionalists, conservatives, old-fashioned liberals, and libertarians scrambling for solutions. There are attempts to exile CRT from schools by law. Those attempts are unworkable, and some are probably unconstitutional. Another group has an interesting solution. They want to establish entirely new universities that reject CRT. At first blush, this looks like an exciting possibility. Mr. John Horvat examines the flaws in this thinking in his essay, Is an Anti-Woke University in the Middle of Weird Austin Enough? Austin, Texas has a reputation for being quirky and leftist. One of its promotional slogans is, Keep Austin Weird. Anything can be expected from this chic leftist enclave. However, many were surprised to hear about the founding of the University of Austin, UATX, in this liberal wasteland. The new school is to be an anti-politically correct, free speech-friendly institute of higher learning. It will be an anti-woke oasis in the middle of wokedom. The news of its founding is causing controversy everywhere. The left is furious at the audacity of those who dare to challenge its rule on its home turf. Conservatives rejoice at this new initiative in the belly of the beast in weird and woke Austin. The school is devoted to the pursuit of truth, not some political agenda. Its promoters are passionate about its mission. Professors and students will speak their minds without the fear of being canceled. Indeed, many of those proposed for the faculty, trustees, and board of advisors are canceled professors, awoken liberals or professionals mugged by reality. They have tasted the bitter fruits of liberal intolerance. Many have given precious testimonies, exposing the brutal liberal hypocrisy of those who supposedly defend freedom. They have vowed to fight back. The future school will indeed be an anti-woke university. But is that enough? Many oppose the woke revolution because its activists suppress the ideas of others. However, the new revolutionaries also have wrong ideas about human nature based on erroneous philosophies. These ideas are reflected in disordered and sinful behaviors that undermine society, morality, and the common good. Thus, to be effective, it is not enough to allow everyone to speak. An anti-woke university must also take positions against the hotbeds of intellectual leftism that gave rise to wokeism. It must oppose the class struggle dialectics that propel this process forward. Such an institution must also engage in the raging culture war in which wokeism is the latest phase. Above all, a genuinely anti-woke university must reflect the Western and Christian influences of the university's medieval origins. It must reject the liberal mania of not embracing the one true God or the church. 
News about the new institution indicates that it will oppose the suppression of ideas. Professor Alan Mendenhall notes that UATX's unique mission is not, quote, rigid orthodoxy or ideological conformity, but about curiosity, exploration, and self-examination, unquote. UATX's program calls for plenty of free speech, robust debate, and unfettered questioning. It is to be a, quote, community of conversation and open inquiry, unquote. Every opinion will be heard. There is nothing wrong with intelligent discussion, which is part of any good education. However, the situation calls for a firm rejection of the left. Discussion is but a means to an end, which is truth in the singular. However, inquiry alone is not enough to win in the face of radicals that no longer play by the old rules. It is necessary to oppose leftist ideas. The proposed university must be not only anti-woke, but also anti-liberal and anti-progressive. That is where the project runs into problems. Many of the founding faculty, fellows, and advisors hold extremely liberal, atheist, feminist, and pro-homosexual positions. Their problem with the educational establishment is the suppression of free inquiry, not its liberal underpinnings. Thus, those looking for anti-liberal, conservative, or classical education are bound to be disappointed. Students will receive a pre-woke liberal education without the threat of cancellation. However, such a program will do little to prevent the next woke volcanic eruption, much less regenerate the world. Having such an eclectic collection of intellectuals that will form its core undermines its purpose. Notwithstanding some fine individuals who hold excellent moral positions, many of the group are still on the wrong side of the culture war. In this atmosphere of free inquiry, they will not fail to air their unorthodox views to the students. The positions of these members are far from secret. Consider, for example, Peter Boghassian, a founding faculty fellow and atheist. He has referred to all faith-based beliefs as delusions. He advocates using the Socratic method as a means to dissuade people from being religious believers. Then there is gender researcher Kathleen Stock, another founding fellow, described as a left-wing lesbian and is currently involved in a same-sex relationship. Among the board of advisors, the defenders of inquiry include Andrew Sullivan, a well-known homosexual journalist, Professor D. McCloskey, a quote-unquote transsexual economist, and Jonathan Rausch, an openly homosexual author, avid proponent of so-called same-sex marriage, and an LGBTQ plus advocate. Advisor Nadine Strassen is a liberal feminist and former president and current advisor of the ACLU. She debuted as an actress by being a guest star in Eve Ensler's play The Vagina Monologues at the National Theater in Washington, D.C. She is also known for her free expression defense of pornography. Founding trustee, journalist Barry Weiss, suffered when she stood up to the New York Times editorial tyranny. However, she remains attached to her liberal ideas and is now engaged to another woman.
The list is also sprinkled with well-known classical liberal figures who are less controversial but avowedly liberal. These include Harvard ex-president Larry Summers, writer Neil Ferguson, Harvard professor Arthur Brooks, economist Tyler Cowen, and others. Those involved in the founding of the venture, again with notable exceptions, read like a directory of liberal establishment names. These figures maintain their liberal credentials, but their passports to the next phase of the Cultural Revolution have been canceled. UATX does not claim to be a conservative haven. However, its woke enemies hysterically make that claim. It seems the desire of many of its promoters is to turn back the clock to some mythical enlightenment time of intense liberal debate and persecution of the church before the age of cancellation. Thus, it needs to be clear that the main focus of this new anti-woke university is not conservative moral values, but freely expressed ideas, including progressive ones. And that is the problem with ventures like these. They represent yesterday's revolution. Today's woke activists are in a dangerous Jacobin phase that needs to destroy yesterday's Girondin liberals to advance the revolutionary process toward nihilism. The liberal world helped prepare the way for the present woke terror. Education needs to return to its Christian roots. The secularization of education has wrought immense harm upon the formation of youth by insisting only upon knowledge. The Church has always taught that intellectual education cannot be separated from moral and religious education because building up moral character is part of the learning process. Vast intellectual development is no substitute for virtue. The greater the academic development, the more necessary is sound moral training. Education must also teach temperance, the virtue whereby individuals govern their natural appetites and passions in accordance with the norms prescribed by reason and faith. Then people desire that which is proper and naturally leads to balance, proportion, and virtue. The problem with modern education is its unwillingness to place God at the center of any education. Thus, it can never satisfy the soul's insatiable appetite for the good, true, and beautiful. Fortunately, there have been recent political developments that may point the way to defeat critical race theory. Mr. Edwin Benson discusses them in his essay, for those fighting left-wing critical race theory, the future is local and vocal. By now, most people interested in American politics have heard of Glenn Youngkin's election as the governor of Virginia. Even most leftists agree that one vital issue was the teaching of critical race theory, CRT. The culture war is back on the front burner and the waters are boiling. For parents concerned about the education of their children, the election showed that protests work. The dramatic results also show a path for the future that is both local and vocal. School board elections usually occupy a sleepy backwater in the political scene. However, the controversy around CRT has put it at the epicenter of the culture war. 
numerous local communities held school board elections. The same wave that took Mr. Youngkin to victory also elected anti-CRT board members nationwide. The national newspaper USA Today summed up the overall effect nicely. Quote, Races in 76 school districts across 22 states featured candidates who took a stance on race and education or critical race theory, according to Ballotpedia, a political tracking website. Critical race theory inflamed conservatives, previewing a valuable political tool for Republicans in the 2022 midterm elections, unquote. The Wall Street Journal provided the rationale, quote, This revolt comes as school boards have dismissed concerned parents as anti-science ignoramuses, racists, or even domestic terrorists. District officials have sometimes stymied parents' requests for information about curriculums and blocked them from speaking at school board meetings. But the parents have valid concerns and want a say in the education of their children. Unquote. These victories may be harbingers of the battles that may come on in 2022. One thing was certain. It reflected a nationwide rejection of critical race theory. One such race took place in the Central York School District, just north of York, Pennsylvania. Before the election, the board had decided to permit students and teachers to use a previously forbidden set of books— many of which promoted CRT and similar points of view. Six seats were up for election. In close races, opponents of critical race theory won four of them. A similar story played out in the Dallas, Texas suburb of Southlake. In August 2020, the local Carroll County School District, CISD, had adopted a so-called Cultural Competence Action Plan. While the plan did not specifically mention CRT, many items favored that mindset, including, quote, feature student assembly speakers specializing in such topics as cultural sensitivity, diversity, awareness, and celebrating difference, unquote, and, quote, provide ongoing diversity training for all staff, unquote. Last May, Southlake electors elected two school board members opposed to the plan by 70 to 30 percent margins. On November 2nd, the same voters elected another CRT opponent, Andrew Yeager, who won by a margin of over 30 points. The Washington Post noted a similar result near Houston, where Scott Henry easily ousted a sitting board member after, quote, a campaign focused on how race is taught in schools, unquote. In many races, mask mandates joined CRT as issues that galvanized traditional voters. In North Carolina's Asheboro City Schools, that combination carried the day for four school board candidates, two of them incumbents. The local newspaper, Randolph Register summed up the race, quote, In a technically nonpartisan race, the Randolph County Republican Party showed the strength of its ground game as the four candidates backed by the GOP swept to victory Tuesday in the race for Ashboro City School Board. 
with mask mandates, vaccines requirements, and critical race theory as key issues, incumbents Baxter Hammer and Beth Knott cruised to victory with newcomers Haley Trollinger Lee and Adam Hurley joining them, unquote. A similar combination carried the day in three out of four elections for the school board in Wichita, Kansas. The community voice described the problems, quote, Wichita's typically low-key school board elections were swept into the mix of a national trend this year, spurred on by mask mandates, critical race theory, and the fight against the use of bathrooms based on sexual identification. Wichita's nonpartisan school board election became a political hotcake. Unquote. A local slate of four electors ran as a block, hoping to gain control of the board. Even though one of their candidates lost, the election of three conservatives will have a profound effect. The community voice continued, quote, Even though they fell short of a majority, these new board members will still have considerable power to move their agenda and to influence the board's policies, unquote. Wichita's KMUW quoted the victorious candidates. Diane Albert, a homemaker, said that the election results reflected the voters' frustration with the current school board. The people of Wichita have spoken out, and they want common sense values brought back to our school board, she said. People want their kids to be educated. They don't want to be indoctrinated. They don't want to be told what to think, unquote. Even the usually Democrat-dominated states of New Jersey and Colorado were not immune to this trend. According to NorthJersey.com, voters in both Wayne Township and Bergen County's town of Franklin Lakes turned out to reject the progressives' program for their schools. Quote, The three-person election-first slate running on a platform that included opposing CRT in schools in Wayne Township were the top vote-getters. Another three-candidate team who ran for the school board in Franklin Lakes, outside of New York City, finished as the top three in a four-person race. All ran on a platform that included opposing CRT, saying that, quote, Teaching CRT leads our kids to associate themselves with a level of victimization which leads to weakness and entitlement, unquote. Douglas County is the state of Colorado's third largest school district. Colorado is among the most liberal states in the nation, as witnessed by the fact that it legalized medical marijuana use in 2000 and recreational use in 2012. However, many Coloradans are ready to buck the leftist trend, at least in their schools. Colorado Public Radio moaned over Douglas County school board elections, quote, a conservative slate of candidates won big in Douglas County on Tuesday night, ejecting two incumbents and installing a new board majority that promises to give parents a place at the educational table. What more parental control looks like in schools is unclear at this point. The rhetoric around masks and doubts about the district's equity policy, which, among other things, calls for establishing a system for identifying racist practices and discriminatory behaviors, surfaced in the school board forums. Unquote. Parents concerned about the rampant leftism in public schools would do well to look deeply into these elections. There are many lessons from the recent phrase. First, 
precise positions are essential. Parents need to identify the problem and show its harmful effects on their children. Many victorious candidates were able to cite specific texts and quote programs that undermine American values and patriotism. They also refuted leftist denials that CRT or CRT material is not taught in schools. Next, running together in groups helps focus issues. Many successful candidates coordinated their efforts with other similarly-minded candidates. Pooling resources and efforts help get the message out to more voters. However, even electing one conservative member has an effect. It helps break the leftist consensus that dominates many school boards. CRT and radical sex education programs are often implemented quietly. That attempt becomes a lot harder when a board member openly opposes those ideas. Finally, the results of the election show that victory is possible despite incredible odds. Parents must confide in God, who made them the primary educators of their children, to lead them to greater victories in the coming years. This concludes... Ways to Fight Critical Race Theory Without Stumbling Into Even Bigger Errors Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out our motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family and Property, TFP.